I just truly love, and something that has been a part of Restoration Church uh, for a number of years is this prayer time. And I truly love just the, the conversations that I hear, the prayers that, that we hear. And frankly, over the years, um, just doing this week in and week out, kids have learned how to, learned to pray, parents have learned uh, to pray, families have learned how to pray together, people have learned to pray uh, for people out in the community. This has just become more and more comfortable because we do it every week and we learn through modeling, we learn through repetition. Um, and as I think about that, as I think about the prayer time, as we step into the word this morning, you know, one thing that we've been talking about uh, this fall has been being a people that uh, have a kingdom culture, uh, people who are seeking first the kingdom of God, people that are hungering for the kingdom of God to come, uh, that are praying that the kingdom of God, that heaven would come to earth and also believing that uh, that God might just want to answer that prayer through us. That he might want to, to send us, and he wants to send us, and he wants to answer those prayers through us to see the kingdom of heaven come crashing into earth. And as we've stepped into this fall, there's been just something, I think, in this area and something that has happened in my spirit, and I know other people's uh, spirits as um, we're living in these days. There is just a zeal that is rising up. There's a hunger that is rising up, uh, a desire to, to not mess around with the trivial things of this world, but to seek first the kingdom. And to be about the Lord's work, to be about sharing the gospel, because we know that that time is short. Um, now, how short is that? I have no idea. But that you're seeing things that are that are happening, and um, there are people that don't know Jesus, that need to know Jesus, and that we as his body have been commissioned by him, sent by him, to go share the good news. And we need to live with this expectation that as we are going around in our day-to-day lives, we are going to see the kingdom of heaven come in powerful ways. And frankly, over the last couple of weeks, I've seen just some answers to prayers that has blown me away. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I shared about our uh, our outreach time uh, that we had where we uh, met here at Bethel and uh, were sent out and uh, some people walked around this neighborhood and prayed uh, with, a, with a couple. And uh, it was interesting as they prayed with a couple, the couple said, uh, you're from Restoration Church, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah. They're like, figured because that's what, uh, what Restoration Church does. Because that's our, our reputation out in the community. And it's not just about being a people of prayer, like, oh, look, we're so great. We're praying with people. No, it's a, it's a reputation that is like, we want people to encounter Jesus. And I always want that to have, uh, have the center in our, in, our, um, in our view is that it's not about doing these, a bunch of these things. It's about people encountering Jesus. Well, also that, that night, there was an interesting interaction that a group of us had downtown Holland. Uh, we went to a place where uh, there's some people that come together for a meal, for a shower, to charge their phones, people that uh, are homeless. And uh, that night, um, at first, I didn't think much happened. You know, there's some people that handed out a Bible to, to somebody, had some good interactions. We prayed with somebody. There was a guy there, though, that um, he said he knew me. Uh, frankly, am I, am I, if I'm honest, like I kind of vaguely remember him a little bit. But he's like, I remember you, Dave, blah, 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 what's up, bro? And, you know, he um, could, I could tell from the very uh, instant that I met him that, okay, there was something going on, um, that there was some addiction in his, his, in his uh, lifestyle. He was uh, um, filled with something besides the, the Holy Spirit. And um, so we prayed for him, encouraged him. I actually didn't think anything of it. Um, and as we prayed over him, I'm like, okay, you know, that was a nice little interaction. As he left, he was talking to some more people. Uh, eventually, he ran into a tree and, and got a little injured. And uh, But the, the amazing thing that happened, that night he was connected with somebody who knows somebody in our body. And he goes, hey, hey, you need a place to stay. You need to call this guy. 
And so he did. He called this guy, and, and maybe some of you know who I'm talking about, and ended up at this, uh, this guy's house. Well, this past Wednesday, he, we were meeting for our men's Bible study. And who shows up? This guy that we ran into two weeks prior. Shows up here in the lobby as we're opening up the Word and, and uh, you know, just talking together. And he's hearing stories, stories that we're, we're sharing about how God is moving. And he just is honest. And he says, yeah, I come from a, a past filled with addiction. A, a past that is filled with alcohol addiction. And my body is just ravaged. And, um, you know, I, I need to turn my life around. And that night, on Wednesday night of this past week, a bunch of men gathered around and prayed over him, prayed that the Lord would move in powerful ways, prayed that he would know the love of Jesus, prayed that uh, the effects of alcohol that uh, has wreaked havoc on his liver, that those effects would be transformed, that there would be uh, miracles that would happen in his body. And just yesterday, I found out that he is on his way to rehab. It's powerful. It's all Jesus. Yeah, like, and it's, it's just because some people went, and like, all right, Lord, here we are. Here we are. Like, whatever you want to have done in my life and through my life, a willingness to get uncomfortable. And as I thought about that, like, I started asking the question, what is the key to living that way? What is needed in us, uh, like, to, to see more of that happen? Like, what's the posture of our, our life uh, supposed to be in order to see the kingdom come in powerful ways? What is, how are we to live? And I think one of the things that, uh, that not the, one of the things, the thing that we need to, to have at the very foundation of our lives is actually something that we see lived out in the life of Jesus in John chapter 13. And so I want to read this and just um, encourage us and, and challenge us this morning. John 13, and this is a very familiar passage, but I don't want us to lose the, what's going on here in the familiarity. It says this in, in John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. During the supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He lay aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied it around his waist, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Then Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And then Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put, out, put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. So here's the feast of the Passover, the big yearly feast that they, when they would set aside time to remember God delivering the Israelites from Egypt. They would kill a lamb. They would eat this big feast. This was a requirement for all the men to go to Jerusalem. And here was Jesus. He was going to, he was sitting down with his disciples. 
He had spent three years with them. He's in a relationship with this group. He's about to go to the cross. They've seen the miracles. They've heard his teaching. They've been sent out and they've seen the miraculous happen. And now they're about to celebrate this meal. Remembering the time when God delivered the Israelites. They knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And he pushes himself away from the table. And he gets down low and he washes their feet. He washes their feet. Now, we wear shoes in, in uh, western Michigan, you know, at least in the, the fall and the winter, and, and we don't have dirt roads, and so you know, we lose a little bit of the, the significance and the power of this moment because of our culture. But in Israel, in, in that, that time, people wore sandals and they walked on dirt roads, and let's just say their feet weren't the prettiest. Their feet were pretty nasty. They were pretty dirty. There was some toe fungus in there. There was some, some junk going on in the feet, and uh, feet, this, this foot washing was reserved for those who were servants, even the lowest servants. That's what they would do. They would wash people's feet as they came over to the house. But here's Jesus, the Son of God, the one who created the entire world. He takes the towel, he gets down low, and he washes each person's feet. Even Judas's feet, the one who would betray him. Even Peter, who would betray him. And Judas, who would turn him over. I mean, just get that picture. This is our King. This is King Jesus. This is, this is the one who, who's reigning and ruling on the throne. And what is the posture of our King? He empties himself. He takes the very form of a servant. He humbles himself. He takes this low position. And I love verse 3, what it said. It said, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him, given all things into his hand. All authority, like all this was given to Jesus. That he had come from God and he was going back to God. Here was Jesus secure in who he was and where he was going. He empties himself and he washes his disciples' feet. I love how verse 1 says it in the NIV. It says he shows the full extent of his love. This, this attitude, this posture, this humility, this is the main characteristic of the kingdom of God. We have a king and King Jesus who came to serve, not be served. And in this moment, Jesus redefines leadership, redefines greatness, and frankly, frankly gives us a picture of how to live this Christian life. Now you think like, okay, he's washing the disciples' feet. It's a powerful moment. We don't get the whole picture, but I guess this is probably a powerful moment. And then he says, all right, I've washed your feet. Now you go wash other people's feet. How would they respond? Let's look over at Luke chapter 22. Look at Luke chapter 22. I think this is so sad, comical, revealing, challenging, all in one. See, this is the same, this is Luke's version of it. And so in John, the Gospel of John, we see that he's washing feet, uh, the, the disciples' feet. But here is Luke's version, and here's uh, around the same time. This is how their disciples respond. Verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. I mean, just get that. Get that picture. In light of having their feet just washed by the King of Kings, in light of seeing this picture of humility, here all of a sudden the disciples engage in an argument that they have engaged in numerous times. Numerous times they were walking around and they were talking about, oh, who's the greatest? 
Who's the greatest? Comparing each other with, you know, comparing themselves to one another. Even uh, James and John's mom got involved and asked Jesus, like, hey, can my boys have a position of honor? Can they be the greatest? And here, in light of this most humble act, the disciples look at them, each other, and they have this dispute about who is the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. The greatest. Let the greatest among you be the one who serves. May your position, the, the, the position of your lifestyle, may it constantly be defined by humility. May it constantly be defined by getting low. Not taking the place of a high position, but getting on your knees and serving just like our King, King Jesus. I mean, imagine the scene that was going on here. Here, the, like this what happened just before they took communion. And we're going to take communion in a little bit. But imagine if you like took communion this morning and then walking down, you took the bread and you took the juice. And then on the way back, you're kind of looking around going, I'm greater than that person. I'm greater than that person. I'm greater than that. It's just, it's just sick what rises up. And we should be different as followers of Jesus. Instead of relating it to each other and competing with one another, we need to relate to each other through the cross that we are loved by the King of Kings and that we're brothers and sisters in the Lord and that we're all part of the body instead of competing with one another to celebrate is what we should be doing. Celebrate what the Lord is doing in our lives and through our lives. I think at the very foundation of our lives need to be, needs to be this posture of humility. Frankly, as I look at my life, I look at the, the life of the church, there's too much pride that has entered into the church. There's too much, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at my ministry, look at this, look at uh, what my quiet time looks like. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And instead of our hearts being so filled with a desire for people to see Jesus, we're trying, trying to prove ourselves to a world. Instead of proving, what we need to do is reject pride and say, we're living our lives all for the glory of Jesus. I mean, pride is something that you look all throughout through Scripture. God opposes the proud. He hates the proud. Why? Because it puts people up ahead of himself. And people are living with this desire when they're filled with pride to say, this is what I want. This is what I think. We put ourselves above the Lord. And pride always leads to destruction. I won't have you turn here, but... Uh, in 2 Chronicles 26, these verses are up on the screen. This is a story of um, King Uzziah. King Uzziah in the Old Testament, he was one of the good kings. If you listen to the uh, or read Scripture in the Old Testament, it goes from one king to the next. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Uzziah was actually a good king. Uh, he reigned for 52 years um, and uh, saw God do a, t a ton of miraculous things through his life. Because all throughout his life, he had a heart that was seeking the Lord. But towards the end of his life, look at what happened in his life. Second uh, Chronicles 26, verse 15. It says this, In Jerusalem, he, Uzziah, made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Leave it there uh, for a second. I'll go back. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. All the way through chapter 26, is we see that he was helped by the Lord. That it was the Lord who was conquering his enemies. It was the Lord who was establishing him. It was the Lord who was making himself strong. 
And so he was helped till he was strong. It was all the Lord. But look at the sadness in the next verse. It says this, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. When he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Is there any pride that is in your heart? Is there any longing in your heart that wants to be seen? That wants to be recognized? Is there any pride in your heart that says, you know what, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I accomplished. And in saying that, forgetting that it was the Lord who was at work in, all, in your life all along. See, I think it's so easy to drift. And we say, like, the Lord is working, the Lord is accomplishing this, but it's so easy to drift and say, well, look at what I'm doing. And have the focus be on ourselves. We need to be a people. We must be a people who live with such great humility. Who take the low road. Who take the posture of our servant king. Who left the glory of heaven behind and became a servant. That is what needs to be at the foundation of our lives. Is need to be this humble heart. That it's not about us. It's all about people seeing Jesus. And when we live this way, it transforms us in so many different ways. We live differently. We act differently. But what is the key to humility? Because I've heard people say that humility is, is not thinking of our, um, less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. But I think there's actually a key that I want to show you this morning of how we can grow in humility and live a life of, of great humility. And it's in John in chapter 3. John the Baptist, I think, shows us the picture of how to live with this humble heart. And there's a key there that we need to catch on in order to live this way. John chapter 3, verses 22. And this, I actually put uh, 25 up on the screen, but I'm going to read uh, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into Judea, into the Judea countryside. And he remained there with them, and he was baptizing, and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at... Uh, and on near Salim, because water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose, verse 25, because some between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to who you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. And this is the phrase, he must increase, but I must decrease. What allowed John to say that? Here John had this vibrant ministry that was going on. The whole countryside was coming to John. He was baptizing people. They were seeing lives transformed. People were repenting of sin. And all of a sudden there was a moment when John saw all of these people go to Jesus. And the disciples and the people there were saying like, John, like, how are you feeling? Because now everybody is going to Jesus. And John says, that he says this, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. What led John to say that? Is that he saw Jesus clearly. 
If we are going to live a life of humility, the key is this. We have to get a greater revelation of who Jesus is. We have to see Him more clearly. We have to ask the Lord to give us a clearer picture of Jesus, to see Him in His greatness. Because when we compare our lives to Him, we know that we pale in comparison, and it leads us to living this way, to saying, you know what? My life is of nothing. I just want to see Jesus increase in my life. The lowly road is a road that sees Jesus for who He is, and saying He far outweighs who I am or who I ever could hope to be, and my life is all about pointing to Him. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in our hearts to to, to show us Jesus over and over and over again. Because when we get a picture of Jesus, when we start to see Him more and more clearly, it transforms our lives. Because we're a step into uncomfortable situations where we pray for people. And we pray for people and we're willing willing to be uncomfortable because we don't want people to see us, but we want people to see Jesus. We're willing to, to be mocked, to be made fun of, as we share the gospel, because you know what? We don't want people to see us. We want people to see Jesus. When it comes to our finances, when it comes to the money that the Lord has blessed us with, when we have this humble approach, when we're like, we just want people to see Jesus, we're like, you know what? I'm not going to spend this money on myself and all these things that I think I want. I'm going to spend my money on those things where I'm making the kingdom impact, where I'm storing up for myself treasures in heaven. I mean, just this week, we um, some of you uh, may have uh, remembered that we had uh, Chris who uh, went down to Tennessee to turn himself in. And he went down there. And he turned himself in after um, being gone from Tennessee for a while. Um, the Lord has just t- totally changed his heart. And he's like, you know what? I have some things in my past that I need to deal with. And so he went down there because he knew that uh, the way to freedom was to surrender. And through this past week, through going in front of the judge, they set his, um, his bond at $10,000. And so for um, just to meet his bond for, for $10,000, which in order to meet that, it was 10%. He had to come up with 10%. There is a person in this church that has been so wrecked by the Lord. He said, here, I'm going to give that money. I'm going to pro- provide that so that our brother can be set free. That's kingdom living. That's living a humble life. That is saying, you know what? This money that I've been, that I've been blessed with, less from the Lord with. It's not for me and for my desires. It's so that people can see Jesus. See, what I'm saying this morning is that our lives need to be demonstrated by the cross. See, the cross saves us from our sins, but this is more than just like, you know what? This is salvation for our sins. This is a way of life. That every single day we need to live this life, a humble life, modeled after the life of our King, King Jesus. Because that will transform the world. It will transform the world. A humble heart will go further, further than a loud voice. Over the last hundreds of years, people have been gripped when followers of Jesus have taken the low road, not considered their life of any importance, but have humbly served. And it's all because they have been gripped by the love of Jesus. My desire, my prayer for Restoration Church is that we would live so humbly it's not about us, but that it's about Jesus. And so this morning, as we wrap up our time together, I wanted to wrap up by taking communion together. And so we're going to sing, we're going to worship, uh, but also as we worship, you're going to be invited to come row by row and take communion. And there's going to be a station over here and a station over here. And you're going to come and you're going to be given a piece of bread. And then you're going to be invited to dip that bread into the cup. 
And you can take it when you're up here and maybe even gather together with some people and pray. But as you do, as you remember the body of Christ that was given for you, his blood that was poured out for you, as you remember and you reflect that amazing act of our servant king, look at that and ask yourself, is there any pride that has creeped into your heart? And ask the Lord to give you the strength and the power to live a life of great humility for his glory. And so I'm going to invite Steve and Rebecca Grant to come up here. They're going to serve on this station. And then Dan uh, Pierbolt and Kurt Koning are going to be over here. And just so I'm clear, because I wasn't clear two weeks, a couple weeks ago, you are to take when you're up here. We're not going to take all together. So you come up and pray uh, together. You can take as, you, uh, as you're ready. But uh, let's stand together. Let's sing this song. We fall down and sing. And also at this time, uh, feel free to pray with one another, encourage one another. But let's go row by row and take communion together.